What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Happy New Year. Hope you guys enjoyed the bowl games and the semifinals of the college football playoff. If you like the podcast, make sure to like and subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. My apologies for not getting this out sooner. I've been actually wrestling with COVID, so I have been a little under the weather here, if you can, you can probably tell it in my voice. But uh, I wanted to do a, just a quick recap of the, the playoff games, the bowl games involving Big Ten teams, kind of what it means moving forward for these teams. And then I'm going to give you my prediction for Alabama, Georgia uh, after the break. So that's going to be what we're going to do. Um, let's just get right into it. Uh, Alabama, I'm, I'm going to start with the playoff games. Alabama beat. Cincinnati 27 to six, really not surprised by how this game turned out. Uh, we'll talk about the other playoff game, which kind of surprised me, kind of didn't um, in a minute, but Alabama did what they do in semifinal games. They found a way to win. They didn't really do anything out of the ordinary. They didn't, do much more than just run the ball, which I thought I didn't think Cincinnati could stop the run. A lot of people afterwards were saying Cincinnati didn't belong to that. I say who did. I I actually thought Cincinnati acquitted themselves quite well. Um, I thought defensively, they actually played pretty well, uh, except I knew that that front seven wouldn't be able to stop the running game just because they don't, they don't have a power five front seven um, or at least an elite uh, front seven. So I, I was surprised at how well they could rush the passer uh, and their, you know, their defensive backfield is maybe the best in the country. Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, they more than earned their reputation uh, in that ball game you know, held Jamison Williams to seven catches, 62 yards. So they, they did a good job on their passing game. But what Nick Saban does in the semifinal games, more often than not, is if it's a weaker team, he gets up on you and he doesn't exert much more effort than that. And that's what happened in this game. They didn't need to throw the ball. They just ran it. They ran it. They ran it. And, and the one thing I was disappointed in this game I love Luke Fickle. I think he was one of the, you know, I think he's a top 10 coach in the country. I thought he called this game way too conservatively. Uh, I thought, I, I thought they did some more hurry up, some uh, went up tempo later in the game, but nowhere to be found in the first three quarters. And I'm, I'm just thinking if you're going to beat Alabama, you got to take risks educated risks but you got to take risks and they you know they didn't go forward on fourth down early they didn't go up tempo because i think he was honestly just scared to get you know beat by 60 points and if you play scared against family you're going to lose like it's just just facts and so i i thought cincinnati could have done a little better um ultimately bama did what they do they won by 21 which is very similar to, to how they've won their other semifinal games. If you look at other semifinal games, 
that the, the smallest margin of victory has been 11 points. And that was against Oklahoma in 20, in the 2018, 2019 playoff. And honestly, that game was over early. It was 28, nothing. And, you know, Oklahoma was playing catch up the entire time. Every other game that Bama has played, their margin of victory has been at least 18 points, I think. No, sorry, 17 points. So, you know, last year they beat Notre Dame by 17. And it's very similar to Cincinnati. They just got up on them early and then just coasted. And that's what this game felt like. You never felt like Cincinnati was going to threaten. You never felt like that, that uh, they were going to be able to, to get up, you know, within a score. And honestly, if they did get within a score, I think Alabama would have uh, extended the lead pretty quickly. So I, it was a, it was a good win by Alabama. I, I thought Cincinnati, especially defensively uh, in that defensive backfield acquitted themselves, but clearly their defense, their, their, their front seven and their offense were a couple click, clicks behind their defensive secondary. And that showed in, the, in, uh, in this game. Um, the other semifinal was uh, Georgia against Michigan. Uh, I, I picked Michigan in this game because I really thought the Michigan that showed up against Ohio State was going to show up against Georgia. And I think what we saw was that one, the Georgia that showed up in the SEC championship game that got lit up by Alabama was not the same team that showed up in this game. And I think Michigan got a, a real taste of what an elite team looks like, and they're just not there yet. And, I, you know, I think there's a lot to be said. You know, there were rumors in the Ohio State-Michigan game about the flu going around Ohio State's program and whatnot. Ohio State's defense sucked all year. So I, Michigan earned that win, and they were fantastic in that game. But as, fant as fantastic as they were in that game, I'll tell you, defensively, I, they, they really, really – I was very disappointed in the defensive performance by Michigan. Um, I think Aiden Hutchinson's getting a bad rap. Uh, I think Dane Brugler, who's an NFL draft – analyst he mentioned that what georgia did is similar to what a lot of teams did to, to guys like chase young and joey bosa that there was a lot of double teams a lot of chips a lot of uh help from the tight end the running back um but ajabo was was a non-factor that defensive front was a non-factor um and the defensive backfield just got exploited by honestly a group of receivers that are good not great um because the other defenders couldn't get free and there there were two things two reactions i had one was as an ohio state fan is how did how did this how did an ohio state team how did ohio state lose to this michigan team and i i think part of it was emotion part of it was the fact that you know, Michigan really, really wanted that game. And so props to them. I'm not going to get into whether Ohio State, Michigan, which one is actually better. Michigan won on the field. They deserve to be there. Um, but all, that being said, it reaffirmed my belief that currently the only team in the Big Ten and maybe the only team 
outside the SEC that can hang with Alabama and Georgia and the other SEC powers when they rise up. Right now, it's it's Ohio State, and that's it. And I think we saw that with Michigan. Cade McNamara was not good enough to beat an elite defense. Um, these receivers, I thought these receivers would do a better job. Andrew Anthony, I I don't know why he didn't play more. Maybe he did, and I just missed it. But it didn't seem like he was in the game that much. He had a touchdown late. JJ McCarthy threw a touchdown. But I, I think the thing that I would, my, my takeaway is I'm curious to see what happens to Michigan next year with J, you know, does JJ McCarthy win the job? Does he, and if he does, is he the type of quarterback that can get Michigan to that next level where they can compete? Because I think McCarthy can make throws that McNamara can't. JJ McCarthy can run in ways that McNamara can't. But at the end of the day, the, the calling card of this team was toughness. And quite honestly, they got their butts kicked. They got their butts kicked. Georgia was easily the better team. They were easily better in the trenches. Georgia could run. Michigan could not. And, you know, as much as we said that Michigan was the tougher team against Ohio State, they were easily not the tougher team against Georgia. And I think what we saw is that Georgia, Georgia was not a fluke defensively. You know, a lot of people wanted to say Georgia's a, Georgia just wasn't good defensively because they played teams like Kentucky, ten, uh, Kentucky and Tennessee and Clemson and all these bad offensive teams. And look, Michigan's not great offensively, but they were good enough. To, to I thought they would be good enough to at least score more than 11 points and, and honestly three points while it really mattered and Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis and all those boys are legit and that that back seven I I have questions about it going in against Alabama but again Alabama has Jamison Williams Jamison Williams might be the number one receiver off the board in April. So I, I think it, it just speaks to Michigan. Michigan still has work to do if they want to be considered an elite team. Good for them for getting there because for years we said Michigan's never going to get there. They won a Big Ten championship game. They beat Ohio State. Huge year for Michigan. Now the real question is can they build on it? Can they build on it? So, um, National championship game, Alabama, Georgia. We'll talk about that at the break. Let me go to the other Big Ten bowl games, starting with the Rose Bowl, which might have been, uh, for casual observers, maybe the best bowl game of the bunch. For Ohio State fans like me, I wanted to have a heart attack about every five minutes because that's how often Utah was scoring. Um Ohio State came away with the win, 48 to 45. I thought that the, the takeaway from this game, there were two takeaways. One was that it was a heck of a job by Ohio State to overcome the adversity both on and off the field. You know, they had, I think, 24 scholarship players out, including 
Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Haskell Garrett, um, Nicholas Petit Friere, a lot of guys out. I said on the podcast uh, earlier that I thought if those guys opted out, I thought Utah would win. Uh, and I, I didn't even know if it would be close uh, going into that game with all those guys opting out. And I thought that the defense was awful in the first half, right? And I missed tackles and not really playing tough. It was just atrocious. And the offense took some time to, to get accustomed, uh, to, to get going. So it was looking really grim. Every time Ohio State answered, Utah would answer right back. It was 35-21 at the half, you know, and that was including a fumble into the end zone by Ohio State. And then just an unfortunate play. Julian Fleming made a great catch, but couldn't get out of bounds. And so instead of making it 35-35 to at half, it's 35-21 because of a fumble and then just a, an unfortunate play by Julian Fleming while he's trying to make a play. So... 35-21, and then Ohio State comes out of the half. C.J. Stroud throws a pick in the end zone. And so that's three possessions that you think Ohio State's got a chance to really stay even with Utah. And this game felt a lot like the Oregon and Michigan games, where they could not get control. They struggled. And I think what Ohio State did in this game, which was so impressive to me, was that they, they rose to the occasion – and they were able to get a lead in the fourth quarter and granted they gave it up, but then they came back and they, uh, they sealed the game. So I, I think that really sets them up well, especially because most of the players that played in that game are coming back next year. Um, and then obviously I, I, I'd be amiss to say like CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba announced their Heisman candidacies for next year. They were incredible. Uh, CJ Stroud set an Ohio state record for 573 yards uh, in that game. That's just absurd. And then even more absurd Jackson Smith and Jigba 15 catches, 347 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, He broke a bowl game record, not a Rose bowl record, a bowl game record. No receiver has ever had that many receiving yards in a bowl game. And to do it in the Rose bowl, when the other two receivers on your team that are sitting are sitting out is just in, incredible. Um, a lot of other performances in that game, but I think that the, the key takeaway was the resiliency of Ohio state and that they're not going to go away easily as the top team in the big 10. And you see that in recruiting, but also I think, you know, Ryan day, and there's, there's some critics criticism that I have for Ryan day too, but Ryan day, when the chips were on the table, you know, he got it done. And honestly, it's the first time that Ohio state has really come back and won uh, that late in the game. So this is huge experience for his team. It's good for him as a coach. And so I, I like them going into 2022. Big caveat is can Jim Knowles get that defense fixed? Cause that defense, while they, they improved in the second half, it was, it was ugly um, in that second half. Also, just an incredible season for Utah. And you know, Utah is not the most talented team, but they got to the Rose Bowl and they had Ohio State on the ropes. And even with an undermanned Ohio State team, 
to be able to to withstand the talent of a team like Ohio State, it, it really speaks to their character and their team. And so good on them. Really good season for the Utes and a good season for Ohio State. Um, let me just talk. I'm going to go a little bit quicker here. Uh, Arkansas defeated Penn State 24 to 10. Penn State finishes seven and six. Honestly, I, I'm just, I'm not sure what to make of Penn State going into next year. Like Sean Clifford's coming back. And I think most Penn State fans are probably like, eh, I don't know what to do with it. I thought, I thought Penn State was really going to do well this year. It, it, interesting and interestingly enough, Penn State and Michigan had opposite years. I thought Michigan would struggle coming off of COVID. And I thought Penn State's COVID year would be a fluke. But Iowa, they let Iowa beat them multiple times. And they're losing a lot of guys on defense. And so they have a really good recruiting class coming. But I, I, I can't get over, I can't get over them losing. And they, they lost, they seem to have all the momentum going into the second half against Arkansas and they just got run over and their offense stalled. And Clifford, even with Clifford coming back, I honestly wonder if they get a, a quarterback out of the transfer portal. I know Drew, Drew Alar is coming in too, but they have a lot of question marks for me going into next year. Um, you know, D- Dotson is leaving. I, I don't know what to make of their running game because their running game is stunk. And so, yeah, just it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing for me because I thought Penn State was going to have like an, a 10-win season, 11-win season, and instead they go seven and six. That's a, that's a disappointment. And now they lose Brent Pry their defensive coordinator to Virginia tech. So I think it's a tough, it's going to be a tough year next year for them uh, moving forward. Uh, Iowa, uh, Iowa lost to Kentucky 20 to 17. And that was in the citrus bowl. Iowa had a fourth and one, I think on the, on the 45 yard line uh, of Kentucky. And it was 17, 13. And I was like, they need to go for it. And I thought they were going to, but instead uh, Kirk Ferentz calls a timeout and they punt the ball. And as soon as they did that, I said, Kentucky's going to score and they're going to win the game. And that's exactly what happened. Kentucky scored and they won the game. And I, I think even at some point Iowa was driving to, to get in the field goal range and I, they were almost in field goal range. And I tweeted out, somehow I believe Spencer Petras is going to throw an interception in the end zone. It wasn't the end zone. It was the 25 yard line, but still that's exactly what happened. Uh, Iowa had a good season. You know, they, they won the West. They were 10 and four, but I, I, I was disappointed. I, I wonder if they can get another quarterback. I thought Petrus would take a step forward this year and he didn't. And that's the position that's holding them back. And then losing Linderbaum, losing Tyler Goodson is going to be tough for them moving forward. But Kirk Ferentz is still Kirk Ferentz. You know, he'll get to eight or nine wins and win another Big Ten Coach of the Year. So it was a good season for them, but they, they missed a golden opportunity to put away uh, a good SEC team. Uh, Rutgers lost to Wake Forest, number 17 Wake Forest, 38-10 to 10 in the Gator Bowl. I thought this would be closer 
until I found out that I think the top four players on Rutgers all did not play. So Isaiah Pacheco, Bo Melton, Fadakasi. And when I heard that at the beginning of the broadcast, I was like, I wish I could go back and change my pick. They they weren't going to have a shot without those guys. And, you know, props to Rutgers for taking on Wake Forest on a week's notice. But and it'll be good for them and their program moving forward. So good on them. But honestly, you know, Wake Forest was going to win that game. And it's not surprising that they wanted that that handily. It's actually surprising that they were that Rutgers was in it as long as they were. Um, So, again, props to Rutgers for taking on the challenge. Uh, Greg Schiano deserves a lot of credit. Good season for them. Five, five and eight. I know that doesn't sound good, but good, good on them to, to get five wins. Wisconsin defeated Arizona State 20 to 13. Uh, they were up 20 to six at half and then grinded out a win. No one should be surprised by that. And it, it's not surprising that Wisconsin could overpower um, a Pac-12 team. And so Wisconsin finishes nine and four after having a one and three start. So like, that's a really good season. It, it, they really rebounded, but they've got to figure out what to do with that quarterback position. You know, Graham Mertz is not the savior that they thought he was. Now maybe he takes a, a leap again next year. I doubt it, but I, yeah, I think Wisconsin The West feels very murky to me next year. Um, speaking of the West, maybe the second most entertaining bowl game was Purdue, Tennessee. I had Purdue losing this game and I could not have been more wrong. And I think what was impressive about it was Purdue did it with their top three, with their top three receivers out. So David Bell was out. Uh, Milton Wright was out. And the third receiver got hurt. He broke his ankle on a touchdown in this game. So he, he was in for a couple, a couple quarters. And then George Karloftis was out. They had, they had so many injuries and opt-outs. And yet, somehow they stayed in this game. People will talk about the controversy at the end uh, with the, the lack of a touchdown call, forward progress being called in overtime. Listen, this, this story of this game was that Josh Heupel got severely outcoached by Jeff Brom. Josh Heupel made so many coaching errors in this game. And I, I don't care. First of all, a lot of people are complaining about the pass interference calls. You can't grab a guy's arm. Like, I think every single pass interference call except one, they were grabbing a guy's arm. So the receiver had to try to go up and grab it one-handed. Well, of course you're going to get called pass for pass interference. Like learn to cover better. You know, and the guys on the broadcast are like, well, they're, they're just trying to be physical. You can't grab his arm. That They're going to call that every time. And so Tennessee played undisciplined. They turned the ball over. Well, of course they lost. And goodbye, Jeff Brom. This was an, a, a less athletic team with none of their, their star players and they pulled off a heck of a win, and they came from behind. Purdue deserves a lot of credit for this. They finished nine and four. Jeff Brom deserves a huge extension, in my opinion. 
he has been phenomenal for that program. And I, I think there's good things ahead um, for Purdue, uh, especially in a West that's very crowded. Um, Michigan State, number 10, Michigan State defeated number 12, Pittsburgh. Uh, they won 31-21. It's hard to evaluate this game because I think if Kenny Pickett plays, I, I think it's possible it ends up like Michigan State's game against Ohio State where they get up on Michigan State and they're buried. But because Michigan State didn't have to deal with uh, Pickett or the backup Patty, they were able to be down 11 and still come back and win that game in the fourth quarter. They were able to hang around. And it's, you know, that sounds like a backhanded compliment, but really speaks to the resolve of this team and the, the way that Mel Tucker has turned this team around. Michigan State went 11-2, and two, New Year's Six Bowl, beat the ACC champion, granted, without their quarterback. But they, they did all that after coming off a season where they were maybe the worst team in the Big Ten. So with all the caveats, and, and of course, they, they played without uh, Kenneth Walker III. And so to, to say all that, Mel Tucker did a heck of a job. I, he's still my coach of the year award winner. He's the guy I would give the award to. Um, he did a great job, just a phenomenal job by Mel Tucker. And I, I, I think the thing they're going to have to deal with now is coming off with, with these high expectations, with Kenneth Walker leaving, uh, Jalen Naylor is leaving, so having to deal with expectations coming back, but heck of a job by, by Mel Tucker and that, that program. I'll finish up with Maryland, Virginia tech and Minnesota, West Virginia tale of two different games and two different impressions. Uh, Maryland just absolutely destroyed Virginia tech 54 to 10. And part of that, I think Virginia tech just has a lot of turnover I don't think they had their, their starting quarterback in, but I was still surprised at how much like they just dominated this game. And, you know, you wonder is, is Maryland is the talent that Maryland's starting to get because they're getting some, getting some real talent. Is it starting to translate into maybe better teams moving forward? Can they crack that top four? of the Big Ten East gauntlet of Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan. Um, 54 to 10 is, is, you know, that's something. And, you know, we'll see. They get, I, I believe they get Tagovailoa back, Fleet Davis back, Rakeem Jarrett back. So good, good core of, of young talent. Can Tagovailoa take another step? Conversely, Minnesota ends nine and four which is very, very good. Um, they held West Virginia to six points, but I'll, I'll be honest, it was, a, it was an ugly, ugly game to watch and they lose a lot of their offensive line. And so I'm not sure what to make of this team. They get all their running backs back. I believe uh, Mo Ibrahim is coming back. So I, the running game is going to, hopefully still be great, but what are they going to do in terms of the offensive line? Um, especially with uh, Daniel Falele moving on. 
So, but good season for Minnesota. It could have been a great season. I think that's what, you know, Minnesota looked against West Virginia like they've played all year, which is they, they were good enough. You know, nine and four is a good year. They could have, they could have been 11 and two or 12 and one. Like they really, they really could have had a, a great season. And instead they, they had immediate, like, honestly, a, a, I think they underperformed and you know, that that's going to haunt them. You know, they, they could have beat Illinois. They could have beat Bowling Green. You know, they could have been in line for a new year six bowl. And instead they're, you know, they're playing West Virginia in the guaranteed rate bowl. So, but yeah, so that's, that's my takeaways for our, for the big 10 uh, and the bowl games. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to give you my quick breakdown for Alabama, Georgia, and my score prediction. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Georgia, Alabama, nobody should be surprised. I, I shouldn't have picked Michigan, just looking back. Um, that was a probably more of a hopeful thing than anything else. I root for the Big Ten. I know Ohio State fans will get mad at me saying, you can't root for, the, for Michigan. But I actually kind of wanted Michigan to beat Georgia, mostly because I, I don't want to see an all-SEC championship game. My, my one key question in this game is does the loss of John Mechie at wide receiver change the game plan enough where it gives Georgia an advantage? Because the reality is in the SEC championship game, what we saw is that they ran, Alabama ran a lot of if I remember correctly, a lot of tempo, a lot of passing plays, a lot of stuff in the perimeter, a lot of stuff in space, you know, isolate receivers on the defensive backs. Um, and they tired out that front seven. As good as that front seven is, they tired them out. And they were down 10 nothing early. And then the rest of the way, 41 to 14. Bryce Young threw for over 500 yards. Jamison Williams was a stud in that game, but he had another great receiver to take some heat off of him. He doesn't necessarily have that in this game. Um, he's got he's got some guys that can make plays for sure, but Mechie is a huge loss in this game. And so does that alter things Maybe a, a, a better question is how many points is John Mechie worth? Like, is he worth 17 points? And I'm just, I just can't, I can't get there. Like the reality is John Mechie to me is not worth 17 points. He might be worth a touchdown. Maybe. But they've got other guys, you know, there are other, I forget the receiver that made the play, uh, but the leading receiver, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, four catches, 66 yards, uh, and a touchdown against Cincinnati. And that was against, honestly, a better secondary. So, I, you know, Slade, Slade Bolden will work the slot. Ja, Jaleel Billingsley, um, they'll, probably, they'll probably target him a little bit more uh, at linebacker, or at tight end, rather. Um, and then I just... I was wrong about this with Michigan's defense because I, I thought Michigan's defense 
would be better. But I think the problem is Michigan, Michigan's defense, as good as they are, they're more power based. They don't, they don't necessarily have the speed um, that Alabama's defense has. And Alabama's defense matches up really well with Georgia's offense. And so I know there are issues in the secondary for, for Alabama, but I'm just, I mean, who's the receiver that's really going to threaten them? Like George Pickens, maybe Jermaine Burton, maybe, but I, like, I'm not sure that I'm not sure it's going to be all that different. And I, you know, I hope Stetson Bennett proves me wrong, but I just don't think Stetson Bennett can win a big game like this. I think Stetson Bennett is going to try. I think he's, he's got a good head on his shoulders. It has nothing to do with his, his intangibles. I think he is a tough kid. I think he's really improved. I think he is a, like, he's a leader. There's a reason why he's in over JT Daniels because JT Daniels is a better pure passer. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think Stetson Bennett is the type of guy that can beat in Alabama. You've got to have the raw talent. And we saw that, we've seen that with every, every game against Alabama that they lose. You got to have somebody that can outscore them. And you, you got to have somebody that can make the throws. So as, as raw, I'll even go back to 2014 when Ohio State beat Alabama. Cardale Jones you know, he, he didn't end up as a great quarterback, but his arm strength was what, and his ability to run gave them fits. Stetson Bennett doesn't, he doesn't have the ability to get, to really push the ball down the field. Um, and they don't have the receivers to, to go up and make one-on-one plays. So I just, I just don't think that it's going to happen. I think Jamison Williams makes a couple of big plays, you know, he was really a possession receiver in, in the, in the semifinal game. I think he has at least one long touchdown that really makes things that really stretches the defense. I think Bryce Young has another big game. And I think Bryce Young outduels Stetson Bennett. I, I think it's a closer game than the SEC championship game. I've, I've got it 34, 27, 34, 27, Alabama. Uh, I think Bama wins and, you know, love them or hate them. What Alabama has done under Nick Saban, what Nick Saban has done, I've never, we've never seen anything like this, right? And it's gotten to the point where I, I can no longer hate it, but just, I respect it. Like they are the kings of college football and they are worthy of the title of the greatest modern dynasty in, in football. Like you can even say they're greater than the Patriots at the, at the pro level. Um, what, what Nick Saban's been able to do uh, winning national championships, 2009, 2011, 2012, 15, 17, 2020. And then I think they win this one. So that'll be seven, seven at Alabama. And uh, I don't think they're slowing down. So that game is on 
Monday night. So I'll be back on either Tuesday morning, Wednesday, probably Tuesday, Wednesday morning. Uh, I won't record uh, until Tuesday afternoon, but should be a good game. I'm going to watch it and uh, hope you guys tune in too. Thanks for listening to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. A couple other things we'll be talking about. There's been a lot of buzz about Urban Meyer. I want to talk about that just because he's a Big Ten fixture. Um, a lot of Ohio State players coming out both for and against him right now on Twitter. It's It's been a bit dicey. I want to talk about that. We'll talk about some off-season stuff as well, um, but I'm also going to take some time to recover. So if you don't see a lot of stuff from me, uh, it's because I'm recovering from COVID. But appreciate you guys listening. Again, make sure to follow, leave a review, and I will see you guys later. Again, Happy New Year. Take care and God bless. Mm-hmm.